Does he have a name, Mrs. Owens? Not that his mother told me, she said. Well then, said Silas, his old name won't be of much use to him now, anyway. There are those out there who mean him harm. Suppose we pick a name for him, eh? And it seemed then as if the whole graveyard was about to join in, each inhabitant offering his or her own comparisons between the infant and someone long forgotten, when Mrs. Owens broke in. He looks like nobody but himself, said Mrs. Owens firmly. He looks like nobody. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Just hang on to your lariat. Wonder what kind of a scene I'm getting into. And welcome to Behind the Panels, issue 133, the comic book show that's coming to you live from Good Games Hurstville. Can I get some noise? I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. And I'm Jamie Lawrence. Hey, you're back. I am back. Even well, after last in time. In fact, you guys are back. <laughs> in this issue, there's more gravy than grave about us as we dip into Bill and Ted, Southern Cross, Postal, The Walking Dead, and more in what we've been reading and watching. Then we recast the Marvel Universe in a baffling edition of John D's Geek-Related Challenge or something. Plus, our kick-ass pick of the week. The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, adapted by P. Gray Russell and a whole host of artists. This... Is behind the panels. Good evening. <laughs> I was walking in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. My monster from this lab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. We are once again in the delightful den of dice that is Good Game Tursville. That was a good choice to swap that chat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had Tori Amos in there before. It just wasn't working for me. And I couldn't bring myself uh, to, to put in any Amanda Palmer this week. You really well, can't dance to Tori Amos the same way as you do to you, Monster You can. No. It's, just, it's just weird. <laughs> By the way, where's Dave? Yeah, well, um... Dave's not here! Damn. <laughs> we Again? Are, we are down one Dave this week, uh, but it's okay, we brought a spare. Uh, <laughs> we have, as of course, our bearded oracle, David McVeigh. I try. Uh, and we are joined once again, because we're in Good Games Hurstfield, by our dungeon master, Jamie Lawrence. How are you, Jamie? I am fantastic, thank you. <laughs> nice to be here in my store. Nice to have you here, too. Yes, it is nice to be here in your store. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. It's nice for you to be here in your store. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Um, it is, we are, of course, live, as you can probably tell. And if you are at home right now, uh, now is the time to apply the lotion. So um, just uh, keep that in mind for what you're doing. Uh, we are, of course, doing this week uh, The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, which mm. is a couple of weeks ago we said to ourselves, we were, it's a, it a two-volume uh, graphic novel adapted from the novel. We actually, at one point, really did say we were only going to do volume one because yeah, we had just come off of Civil War. We had just come off of all this massive reading. We were in a reading. war, man. We were a war, we're man. War, and then man. when we saw that we saw volume one was 192 pages long. But instead of doing that, I actually ended up reading the novel and both volumes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you've read the novel in both volumes. You've read both volumes. We're, we're going to do this. We're there. We're, we're, we're done. And Dave's not here. I don't think he just... I, you know what? I don't think he's filming at all. I think he just didn't read the book and he's gone and hidden. Oh, don't oh. cast a I, uh, I, I heard not, that okay, he was... I won't cast any Sturgeon <laughs> I won't. I won't. <laughs> I, I heard that he was hard at work to get on the trailer for Batman vs Superman. <laughs> it means, unfortunately, thankfully, there's no Age of Ultron news tonight. Otherwise, we would have got audience participation. We we might still. Mm. 
have to get some audio. Just, just, just as a little tribute to Dave, get someone to yell out some Age of Ultron uh, for it. Oh, but of best course, Dave impersonation. I've got a prize for that. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we will have prizes. It's just around. Even if those of you up the back who are not paying any attention to us whatsoever, there will be prizes, and, and you're welcome to join in too as well. Um, we will be talking about... If we ask them direct questions, do you think they would hear us? I think they'll hear us. I don't know if they'll answer. We can say anything we'd like to them. Um, if there are... Uh, there are a lot of dead people in this, in this book that we're doing tonight. I think about the store. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure about that, David. Uh, but uh, someone who isn't dead... This is the worst segue ever. Oh, you've done someone, better. Someone who isn't dead... Superman, he also tastes good. So, uh, we'll get your mother later and go to the movies. Dad, we forgot the peanut butter. Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Its strength is its great taste. Mmm, delicious. Smooth and creamy, a real fresh roasted peanut flavor. It's nutritious, too. The good housekeeping seal must be good. It did taste terrific. Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. David, have you ever tasted Superman? I have never tasted Superman's peanut butter, no. no. <laughs> anybody, anybody tasted Superman's peanut butter? <laughs> anybody out there? No. Anybody, if okay. if anybody anyone at DC listens to this Look, podcast, they person must hate in you the door. for this Hey, up. it's one of our people. Yeah. yeah, we're going to pick you on You know him. you're not allowed to enter late because you give away spoilers, all right? <laughs> one demerit point, sir. <laughs> uh, I, I love that ad because it's like its strength is its great taste. Isn't that true of most foods? That'd be true of all food, I would imagine. <laughs> I would so, uh, that's uh, look. We've 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 done a bit of reading this week. We haven't done apart from the seven thousand pages of the graveyard book that we've read this week. Um, was it seven thousand or three hundred? Roughly, can't roughly. There, give or take. I, I can't count. I never learnt to read either. In a good book, um, you don't keep track. <laughs> we uh, we also read some of the books that came out because we're recording. For those of you at home, um, tucked away in bed or in using without uh, outside of the storm. Yeah. It is quite stormy out here tonight. So those of you who aren't actually here, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, which means none of the comics have really come out yet. I got hold of a couple of advanced copies. Mm. So we have done some reading, which still allows me to press this button right here. Where? Looks like we got ourselves a reader. Read between the lines, bitch. And we did. Um, I'm going to start us off because actually one of the books that came out this week, or is about to come out this week, by the time the show comes out it'll be out, is actually the second uh, issue of one of the books that I was raving on about. Postal. 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 Not to be mistaken by, for the Uwe Boll film that came out. No, or, or the act of going <laughs> Please never mistake anything office. for a Uwe Boll <laughs> film. Um, David, why don't you tell the audience what Postal is about? Postal is actually about a postal worker in a small town uh, who actually has Asperger's syndrome. Um, and what you actually find out is that the entire town is made of ex-criminals. Uh, that's all in issue one. Uh, the end of issue one ended with the discovery of a body. Mm. And now we're carrying that story into issue two. And it's actually pretty solid all yep. the way through this. There's a... My, my only complaint with this issue, I think, is probably... And I'm not going to spoil it because it's still fresh off the, off the presses. But yeah. it's probably the last page. Yeah. The yeah. last page felt out of character. This is a book where Asperger's is actually handled in a really mature way. I really like the way it's done. And I really... Because this book opens with the, with the very elements that I liked from the first issue, mm. which was actually saying, you know... Uh, 
Asperger's, you know, it's kind of like you know being in a in a, a in a really noisy room and not being able to drown anything out. Yes. And, and those kind of analogies that run all throughout the uh, the book, both books. And this book opens with that again, and I really like that aspect of the book. And because of his condition. When something unusual happens, he latches onto it and he just can't let go. And he just starts pursuing it because he needs which, to put it into order. Which makes him a great detective in this case. Yeah, so. where he, whereas he is just a postal worker. Yeah. And as, as we find out the, uh, in issue one, he's also the uh, son of the mayor who has her own shady past. So mm. this is a good, solid second issue. Um, as I say... I'll leave it up to other people to decide what they think of that last page. I think it was out of character. It didn't I, feel quite I, right. I tend to agree, but I'll be mm. interested to hear what people think when they get a chance to read it. Um, David, a, a Bill and Ted book came out this it week. It did. No way. Way! <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a third. It was called Bill and Ted's Most Triumphant Return. And I and like the fact that when you actually read this, I'm trying to use a fingerprint on the thing that doesn't have a <laughs> fingerprint. What I liked about this Apple in boy. particular is where it actually starts. The very first page. It's like five seconds after <laughs> They're the at end. the concert, and it actually says, <laughs> five seconds after San Dimas' Battle of the Bands. <laughs> and it San D- most triumphant. Uh, yes, most triumphant. And it, the book, the thing I like about this book, it has no sense of urgency whatsoever. And no sense of it's pacing, just, no sense of plot. No, it's just like, <laughs> we're going to go and do some stuff. we got some, some princess babes. We've got our robot version. And it's kind of like they literally go through opening doors for the first ten pages going, there's a thing from the film. There's a thing from the film. There's a thing from the film. Station. Station. Station is there. Station is there. Station is there. And they get and station. The, and the good robot... Bill and Ted's is yeah. there, yeah. They get stationed to build them a new uh, time machine so they can go to the future to find out what happens next so they know what to do. So <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> and they, they come up with a song and when they get to the future, they're saying, aside from that one song they wrote, which was yeah. their one Their flop. only flop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was good. David, what were some of the other stuff that you read this week? Uh, the other one I read this week was one that actually was a bit uh, brain-bending, which was Surface. Which is a new book. Yeah, so yeah. this is an interesting one. I, I, uh, this is this is kind of a little bit transmetropolitan. Has anyone read Transmetropolitan here yes. at all? Yeah, she kind of get that sort of sense of of it being from mm. you know our world, but taken to its illogical extreme. Um, this is by Alice Cott and uh, with art. Uh, it's got Geordie Belair on colours, and if you if you know Geordie Belair, it's fabulous, amazing colours that work. It's got a little sort of an element almost at the start of 2001, don't you think? When it's kind of got the obelisk and monkeys yeah, and yeah, things and like well, that. Well, it's not an obelisk in this case. It's that strange it's symbol. It's that strange yeah. symbol-y thingy. Um, but it, it, it's, it's an odd book and it's sort of hard to place into a category. And it's broken up too. You'll be reading it and it'll come to a page and you go, oh, that's the end of the book. And then there's and a then story turn about it, And then there's another page and you go, wait a minute, what was that? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was a tough one to work out but I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I really like the art in this one. Um, it's sort of got that, yeah, because it's got, and I'm just holding this up for the audience, you just have random pages like this where it's just um, just kind of ads for things that don't exist, yeah. you know, in the <laughs> middle of it, and little bits of text that he's just decided to write. Not available st- anywhere. And stories from journalists <laughs> who don't exist and things like that, just, 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 just to make up the kind of history of this place. It was an odd duck. I'm not entirely sure if I'm quite in on it yet. I don't think I've quite understood it. Um, especially mm. when we find out what the surface is, because mm. I'm not even sure if I... It's like a Salvador Dali painting. Yeah, we sure yeah. Matt Fraction didn't write this. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Jonathan Hickman. Oh, they're the crew of the Odyssey, of course. Yeah. 
Don't, they, they mentioned Ulysses or something at the start yeah, of this. Do. I'm pretty sure it's another... If uh, uh, Matt Fraction had written it, you wouldn't be reading it for another three months. That's true. <laughs> or that we'd be reading true. them out of order. Yeah, we'd get issue two before we would issue one. Um... So um, I also read a couple of other things. Did you read anything else, David? Uh, that's that all I got for you. Um, I it was only three days ago that we recorded. I also just wonder, there's one, only other one, other one that I really want to make mention of, which is Southern Cross by Becky Cloonan. If you know Becky Cloonan stuff, she's, she does some terrific work. Um, and I didn't... This is another science fiction one that's come out this week, and I didn't know quite what to make of it. it it's kind of Earth at a point where um, the, the world has sort of expired itself and, you know, everyone's in space... And uh, she is a character that's, that's journeying from one place to another to pick up her sister's remains, but she kind of wants to go and investigate um, why the sister died in the first place. And you, you get the sense that there's something else that's going on there. You don't get a lot, but this comic seems to be about the journey, um, her on this five-day voyage getting from one place to Lim- the next. Limited or ongoing? I think it's an ongoing series. It's an ongoing? Yeah. So this is where it's starting anyway. So maybe this first arc is just her journey in the first five uh, That's days. actually a question I've got about Surface. Is that limited or is that going to be ongoing? Because that I, feels I like think it's going I think they're both ongoings. I don't know how much life Surface has. That's the problem. You know. yeah. Anyway. You never know. But sometimes they but announce I, them I as ongoing. That, I feel that way about Postal as well, though. I think like Postal lot, needs to end. A lot know? of these image series just kind of go until they have a natural conclusion, yeah. don't you think? yeah. Um, so that's really good. The other book that comes out this week, which we haven't had a chance to read yet, really looking forward to it, is Howard the Duck, number one. Yes! Because, uh, spoilers, uh, he did make a cameo at the end of Guardians of the I will. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for Howard. Man, I'm sitting right here and you just spoiled that for me. Well, <laughs> you've all seen Guardians of the Galaxy, haven't you? Uh, it's, it's beyond no, the two-week period after its Blu-ray release. We can spoil <laughs> it's it now. It's out. There's a sequel coming. We all know what's going on. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I am very much looking forward to that one coming out, uh, which I think should drop sometime tonight, our time. So we'll probably talk about that next episode. Yes, you reckon? absolutely. Because well, we, we can't let Howard the Duck slide. Oh, is there a pun in there? Uh, there that I could, may, there may very well be. I, I'm not uh, sure what it was, though. <laughs> uh, just uh, a lot of TVs came out this week. We haven't a chance to watch all of it. I did get a chance to watch The Walking Dead before I came here. Anybody here watch The Walking Dead? Yeah. Um, yay. All I'm going to say is, like, I want the recipe to Carol's Cookies because uh, they seem pretty badass. You'll know. So, so you know what I was talking so about if you actually so watch no, the show. So you're telling me after five seasons of Wash, Rinse, and Repeat. Yeah. All you've got, all you've gotten out of the series is a cookie recipe. <laughs> they actually posted the cookie recipe online. Seriously, dude. Apparently, his cookies are off the hook. But the, the, the thing is, though, it's it's I, I'm saying that because I don't want to spoil it because it was a really good episode and, and some shit's about to go down, man. Really? It's about to happen really? with yeah. the cookies. They found the cookies. it. See what's happened is the walking dead. They've come to a place and it looks ideal. But I suspect it's not going and to then, be. And then what's going to happen is they're going to move in. They're going to be have a really peaceful time for a little while. And mm. then something will go wrong. Yeah. And, and they'll then have to go back the, to the road. Things will attack them. This again. And then they'll go on the road for a while. And then they'll find another place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I explained this last time, David. They are the walking dead. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a metaphor. You, you understand Now, just, just for a piece of history. I mean, I did. Uh, I was actually on a podcast a while ago uh, some friends of mine in the United States did it and they asked my opinions on season one and two as well. Back then it was actually season one and two. I was all in on The Walking Dead on the first episode. I mean, uh, uh, Darabont's pilot episode was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the show went slowly downhill from there and I remember when season one finished and we'd had all the stuff with the CDC and we'd had all... And it's like, 
This is not the book I read. This bears no resemblance whatsoever. And then season two, to have half a season of looking for Sophia, this is like playing out in real time. I didn't need to see this. You know? <laughs> <But> the, <laughs> the current season, the storyline, it's been a while since I read the comic and I'm getting back into it now and going back what I've missed, but this, this storyline seems familiar. I'm not sure if anyone's <laughs> oh. up to date. It is. I'm seeing a nod in the audience. I'm seeing a, a, young, like man, a young gentleman out there. I, li- I like the fact uh, that you've used the words, this season looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess the biggest development this season is that Rick shaved his beard off. <laughs> it's pretty rad. You know? I will get back to Walking Dead because I watched it up until the and end. And his son, Coral? I think it was the end of season three. I thought, you know, it was shaping up the prison and everything. It was, yeah. it was looking right. It was looking there. I just, it doesn't draw me in anymore. His, son, his son's name is Coral, isn't it? Coral. 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 Gotta put some marbles in your mouth first. <laughs> Look, next week, some of the stuff. Look, a couple of big shows came out this week. We didn't get a chance to watch it because it literally dropped a few hours before we recorded this. Was the new uh, Powers series, which is out on the Sony PlayStation Network. I don't but think it's not in Australia. Not in Australia. They released the first episode on. It's a really. Sorry, on YouTube. Yeah, they released the first episode on YouTube, which is region locked. But but you isn't know, you it can wonderful that? PlayStation, Sony PlayStation has actually made a show in this world where we're actually talking about trying to become universal. Mm. So they've got a multinational platform mm, mm, which mm. goes everywhere in the world. They're not bound to, to cable companies or overseas distribution and they still can't get it out in every country at the same time. It's a lucky country, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's like now, if it, it was a superhero series about them killing Kim Jong-un, I just, it would be a completely <laughs> different story. I just feel like banging my head against the wall every now and again. You, know? uh, you should give in to that. I, I might do that. I might <laughs> Daily ritual. Wake up, so find out what, what's <laughs> happened, bang my head against the wall. You know. Sometimes I think you do. What I find really remarkable about it, we, we get the same thing in the world of gaming. That a oh, so we're in a game store, aren't we? <laughs> a product is released, and Australia doesn't see it for three or four months after mm. it comes out. Mm. But that's digital content. Mm. Yeah. There's no reason. It's just, it's bizarre. In this day and age, there is no reason at all for anything that is purely digital to not be released worldwide. It, there's just, there is no sense, rhyme, or reason of it. I understand if it's bound up in rights because of a previous contract, like... Yeah. Let's say uh, some HBO content or whatever that's on Foxtel, they're already sure. contracted in. But something that is a new IP, brand new, yep. it has its own distribution platform. We're talking software, we're talking games, we're talking movies, TV, whatever. There's no reason that can't be released. Just a flip of a switch and it's out. Yeah, bring you know? on Netflix. Absolutely, but you know what worries me right now? They're going to bring out Netflix and they're going to say, yes, Netflix Australia is here. I have to wait six months for Daredevil, though. <laughs> <laughs> they did promise us April 10th all territories. Oh, oh don't, don't do that to them. me. Next week, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming out next week that you're going to want to check out. There was a book we checked out a couple of weeks ago called Eight, which was magnificent. If you want to read a really good sci-fi comic at the moment, this is the one to read. There's a new book coming out by Mark Millar, with art by Sean Gordon Murphy next week called Chrononauts. The cover it's a art time fantastic. travel book by those two books. Cover I, art is guys, fantastic. I'm in. The IDW is doing a property, David. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing you mean a bo- they've licensed something? <laughs> Wait, it's The Fly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's wow. The Fly Outbreak. Oh, yeah. dear. You want Jeff Goldblum in there as Are well? they using his likeness? Are you going to do, do your Jeff Goldblum? I don't have a Jeff Goldblum. I don't, does anyone have a Jeff Or. Do his likeness or, or the fly's likeness? Or. Does anyone have a Jeff Goldblum? Or. Um, <laughs> there's, this, there's a book coming out next week called Strange Sports Stories. 
from DC. Strange sports stories. Strange sports stories. Yeah. And it, but it's it, which sounds pants. It sounds like another one of DC's yeah, dumb can, ideas. Can we explain this at all? But Do we know? it's got pieces in there by Brian Azzarello, CM Punk, Paul Pope, Gilbert Hernandez, and Derek Robertson. It seems like it's worth looking at. I'll have a look at it. I don't yeah. know how far it's going to last. Yeah. Azzar- I'll do it for Azzarello comics. alone. Sorry? CM Punk is writing comics. CM Punk. CM Punk's writing like Thor or something as yeah, well, he I was, think. Yeah, yeah, Thor annual. Thor. What a world we live in. It's, uh, <laughs> hey, David, who's CM Punk? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just being polite. He's a wrestler or something, right? <laughs> he is. He's yeah, a wrestler. Yeah. 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 Um, it's one of those ironic things <laughs> where, where, you know, we're talking about death at a live show and mm. uh, you know a wrestler is writing a comic book it's just wrong what is that no. what's the other comic book that those that there's two wrestlers that actually put it together it's all yeah comics i think it's it's called um it's an indie comic um they actually i had a look at the first issue several months ago and what reminded me about it was if you watch the kevin smith sh- uh, show comic book men oh yeah they actually promoted it in the last issue so they actually had a wow. had, the two of them talking to them about it and taking it on on spec but it's purely um Independent and all for charity. Interesting. So, Interesting. Um, so I, I read all, recently yeah, the, the official WWE comic, and mm. um, then I stopped. <laughs> 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 We've actually skipped over you, Jamie, because you've you've been reading a couple of things as well, haven't you? I couple have. I've been catching up on on Tom Taylor's Injustice, which good is good book. Good book. So good. Good book. good book. There's yeah. there's just one scene in this that deserves its own mention, where the Flash, being super fast, learns to play chess in like 10 seconds and then sits down and plays Superman and they talk about what a superhero's role is. It's just one of the best written sequences in Mm. comics that I've ever seen. And also in um, issue, I think it's issue one or two, Mm. going right back to the beginning of it, when uh, Harley Quinn, is it Harley Quinn? Yes, Harley Quinn and Green Arrow go to the arrow cave. It is quite possibly <laughs> one of the funniest exchanges of dialogue. Why do you call it an arrow cave? Bats live in a cave. Arrows don't yeah, live Yeah, arrows caves. don't live in a cave. <laughs> Brilliant. Green arrow is not lame at all. <laughs> it's good, decent, kind. And, and, uh, and Boxing glove arrow. I guess standing next to Harley Quinn, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's struggling a little bit, yeah. But she develops like an obsession with him after the Joker yes. disappears. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, actually, that relationship. It's, it's well developed. Oh, and you've been reading Mark Wade's Hulk. And I've been well. reading Mark Wade's Hulk. Mark Wade is so good. But this, this, particular, this particular book, we're actually doing this next, or not this one, but uh, the first volume of Mark Wade's Hulk as our next uh, discussion group. Ah, a subtle uh, yeah. words in bubbles discussion group plug. That would be here at Good Games Hurstville on. Uh, Something of April. April the 15th. April the 15th. So if you're listening go. at home, looking <laughs> over to my to convenient the big whiteboard over there. <laughs> yeah. Don't let um, him see the big board. <laughs> but what, what I really love about this, the whole, uh, the whole setup for the series has been that Banner just sort of accepts that, look, I'm never going to cure myself and I might as well do the best that I can with the time that I have. And it's just such a radical idea to take an established hero and change his worldview and actually have him, you know, consider what he is and how it's going to This work. is how I felt when I read Indestructible Hulk as well, with him basically going to S.H.I.E.L.D. and saying, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, that, that, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, this, this is, is it. The, yeah. This is it, yeah. Indestructible Hulk, yeah, this is a great it's, run. It's wonderful. Did they change the name of it, did they? They changed the name of the book when they did Marvel Now, I think. Oh, Marvel Now, uh, okay. So now it's uh, Hulk. Yeah, no, this, is, this is a great run. Um, yeah. yeah, so now it's, it's just back to Hulk and it's uh, this trade was called Banner DOA and was about Bruce Banner being reduced to uh, an idiot because he's been shot in the brain uh, and uh, 
and every time he hulks out, it gets worse and worse and worse. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. I remember that. But he, he, uh, this one's got Mark Baglia as well, which is fantastic. Those of you who remember the first, it is excellent. Uh, you know, however many hundred issues of <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man, he did the art for that. Yep. It's just, I, I love his stuff. It's it's amazing. Um, the other book that's coming out next week that we really want to look forward to is Silk Number Two, which we oh, love. Yes. Those of you who aren't reading this at the moment, Silk is the other. Um, spider person who was bitten by the same spider that Peter Parker got bitten by. Um, and that now spider they can't gets be, around. And now yeah. they can't yeah. be in the same room together because they just want to hump each other. Yeah. Yeah. So now they've got their own book. some serious pheromones. Silk, yeah. like Silk and the spider? Sorry? No, no, no. Spider-Man <laughs> and Silk. Not Silk and the spider. That's, 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 you're going to get us the explicit tag with that image. Yeah. Oh, yeah. David, should I, should I get us out of this with some news headlines? Please do. has announced that it has placed an initial two-season order for the untitled The Walking Dead spin-off, because we need more of that, set in Los Angeles. It is set to premiere in U.S. summer 2015. This June, Marvel will launch the strangest comics team-up in history with, wait for it, Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos (laughs) from Jerry Duggan and Salvador Espen. Indie Comics publisher Black Mask Studios has launched Tube Comics, a series of videos bringing comics like Five Ghosts, Hack Slash, Liberator, and Ballistic to life. You can find it at blackmask.tv. Melina Weissman has been cast as the young Cara Zorel on the upcoming CBS series Supergirl. Uh, She previously played the young April O'Neil in last year's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Make a career out of playing young characters. DMG Entertainment have signed a deal to bring Valiant Stable of Comics characters to the big screen. That's not very large. Including Bloodshot and the award-winning Archer and Armstrong. Archer and Armstrong, man. Yeah, that was what I'm saying. Do they have any other titles? We're also sad to learn this week of the passing of uh, Yoshihiro Tatsumi, a legendary Japanese writer and artist, uh, best known in the last decade for his autobiographical work, A Drifting Life, and the animated documentary Tatsumi. He was 79 years old. James Gunn claims that Marvel Studios won't be at San Diego Comic-Con this year, leaving the victory for the con in the hands of lesser mortals. (laughs) And finally, we have to mention this. It's not strictly comics-related, but Sesame Street animator Jeff Hale passed away this week. He is best known for his work on short pieces, including this song. That's where I learned about the number 12, man. This is my childhood, yeah. man. <laughs> I didn't even know the number 12 existed before I heard this song. <laughs> about you guys? Do you, you know just about thought 12? it was a one and a two. Who learned from 12? About, yeah, right, man? Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Prior to that, you just uh, thought it was a one and a two, right? <laughs> Speaking about Sesame Street and... Uh, and The Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, zombies attack Sesame Street. Zombie Muppets. I want it. I want it happening Zuppets. now. Zuppets. Did, uh, <laughs> do Cookie Monsters cookies not look like the most delicious cookies in the world ever? They're Carol's cookies. Yeah. They I'm are? Sure, like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> they are for the purposes of this conversation. That, that was where I was going with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Is this like those, those subtle threads that are supposed to break bad? Does anybody have any cookies? With, yeah, with, can we have cookies? Because we really want some cookies. We need cookies up here. Uh, I, no, I can see what I can find. <laughs> Why did you bring up cookies? I was Maybe after fine. the show we'll get cookies. I was doing fine. Which brings us 
unceremoniously. <laughs> Before we do that, can we just have a little mini talking point? Sure. I watched a behind the scenes Break it down for me, of the Powers TV series, and I know mm. we haven't. We're not getting it on our network here, but the uh, making of is there. Can I just say how miscast Charlotte Copley is? But he's chappy. <laughs> I, well, yeah, but chappy was great. Chappy, <laughs> chappy can be in Powers? Chappy can be in chappy Powers? Be in powers? <laughs> <laughs> he is not... I mean, when you look at Christian in the comic books, he's this big ex-superhero. Yeah. And here's Charlotte Copley looking like... A derelict they found <laughs> on the street. You know? And I love Charlotte Copley. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But he is just so missed. But no barbecues required being and kicked then over in this. They so. say, they didn't show her, but they actually showed an interview with her. And they said, and playing Retro Girl, now mind you, young, super, you know, Retro Girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle Forbes. Huh. Hmm. Michelle Forbes is a little bit outside of the scope for that role now. Now, one thing is, she does die in the first page, so I guess it really doesn't make much difference. Spoilers. Uh, I'm guessing first there's going to be flashbacks. <laughs> Mind you, the book is called Who the Killed Retro Girl. Yeah, who Killed Retro Girl. <laughs> but yeah, I was just very disappointed. Sorry, who? <laughs> retro Girl. <laughs> just to brief it out appropriately. I was just very disappointed in the casting of this, because I'm looking at it going, this, this yeah. is right. We've got, maybe they've just run out of actors, because there's, there's currently 73 comic book-related TV series out. That's true. So they've, they've gone through every actor imaginable and they're down to Charlotte Copley and Michelle Forbes. So my question also is if Charlotte Copley is doing that, does that mean we don't get Chappie too? <laughs> <laughs> what a shame that would be. That would be a, a tragedy. Look, I know this is not a film show. We saw we saw Chappie earlier this week and, and Chappie, the actual, he, he, he does the... The uh, robot is fantastic. Yeah, he does the motion capture for the robot and it's it's real, he's really good and he's really sweet and everything. But there's there's Chappie's a book. Chappie's book. Chappie's book. There's a guy I know, Anthony <laughs> O'Connor, who writes a filmic, and he described the outfits that because got uh, rappers the ant word uh, uh, playing the two main characters, and they're and they're horribly abused. And they're actually using their real names as well. They, it's like they couldn't remember character names. Yeah. <laughs> now he described this, and I hope I get this right. He described them as that's right, looking as though they'd walked off the set of a porn parody of Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> So, so having seen the film, is uh, is it just Short Circuit: The Next Generation? It's, it's somewhere between Robocop, a reverse Robocop, and Short Circuit: The Next Generation. Reverse the Robocop, Af- the South African mm. version. Like he is already a robot, and he's learning to be and human they, they rather than human. Human. You know what? What's yeah. interesting, though, is that the one thing that Neil Blomkamp has managed to do over the course of these two films—I haven't seen Elysium—but over these two <laughs> films, is basically made me never. I never want to go to South Africa. It is the <laughs> ugliest, most violent, dirty-looking place Africa. in existence. He, there is not an attractive thing that he has ever shown us about Would South Africa. Would you like to get your head blown off, my friends? <laughs> <laughs> Come to beautiful South Africa. And, and it's it's going to be the setting for Alien 5, right? <laughs> oh, I am, I am so worried about Alien 5 at this point. And I think we can officially say that Neil Blomkamp may have actually been a one-hit wonder. Ooh, ooh, harsh. Maybe. Who liked Elysium? Did anyone like Elysium? Show of hands. Show of hands. Actually, it's an audio show. Show of voices or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. There was. Who liked Elysium? Uh, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dudes. All right, we're going to get into this pick of the week because. <clears throat> Ah, there you go. He didn't like it that much. There you go. <laughs> That's the pull quote, I believe. That's the best pull quote they could get. <laughs> on the box. The for the poster. The box. I didn't, I didn't like, it, like that much. it that much. <laughs> All right. We're going to get into, I think this is called the pick of the week, right? That's what we do. do we? Kick ass. Kick pick ass. Oh, oh, kick ass. 
done it 132 times before. I should remember by now. All right, it's time for the pick of the week. Well, see how you like this. What is it, Batman? Whatever it is, it's it's awfully funny. <laughs> it's the pick of the week. When Bod's family is killed, he takes refuge in a graveyard. Is adopted by its inhabitants and taught all of the things that dead people know. Bod grows up in a world of his own, a world where he's caught between the living and the dead. Sometimes the world on the outside of a graveyard can be a dangerous place, and it will take more than just a couple of good-hearted souls to raise a child. It will take a graveyard. The Graveyard Book is a tale of friendship, family, and how truly great it is to be alive. So, he was taught everything that the dead know. What? Laying really still and not breathing, right? <laughs> that, that little intro, Richard. No, David, we're not asking you to describe your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> that little Sorry, intro, Richard. Back, you sound so much like Neil Gaiman. I know. <laughs> I've been practicing so hard on that one. But that was yeah. the most, that was the slickest one I think you've ever done. Thank That's you. That's better than Thank you. Card. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we were lucky. This is one of the few graphic novels we've done that had a trailer for it. There's actually the trailer for the novel itself, but someone like Neil Gaiman's stature gets trailers for his books. Mm. Uh, Jamie, this was your suggestion. This is, of course, a novel that's been adapted into a graphic novel, which I don't think is something we've done before on the show. That's what really interested no, me about No, not on this show, no. Mm. And, of course, it's been adapted into two graphic novels, the first volume being the first five chapters and the second volume being the last... Three chapters. And so this is what attracted you to the book, yeah? Yeah, look, I think it was just a... I guess putting together a graphic novel discussion group, you want things to discuss. Yeah. And I thought that it's so often that we see the graphic novel adaptation of a film or we see a, a graphic novel sort of extension out of a film. This is not only using a different medium, but, uh, but really actually changing our vision of the book when we read it, which is, uh, which is interesting. You know, it's a, it's a different way to do things. And I found it interesting because the original novel had illustrations throughout it. So we already kind of had a visual cue as to what the characters should kind of look like or how the author sort of maybe intended them to look like. And that was Chris Riddell, mm-hmm. I think, did the original, or Riddle, possibly. Riddle? Riddell? I've heard of Riddell. Riddell? Yeah, Let's go with Riddell, Riddell sounds fancier. So. Whatever I said the <laughs> first time was probably right. Um, <laughs> The, so we went with that. So we kind of had this visual cue, and that's always interesting. When I, and, and there were certain elements to this book that I found that the surprise relied on you not seeing what was happening. So one of the things I was curious coming into the graphic novel was how are they going to translate that visually? Yeah. Um, and we should say this isn't one artist that has done this either. It's a, it's a host no, of different fact, artists. So let's start with the art. Yeah. It's, it's really using a different artist for each chapter. It's so mind-blowingly different for me from what I'm used to in comics. Yes. And, um, and, it, and it, I wonder, from an editorial standpoint, if they said, right, we want this style of art for this chapter, yeah. let's get that artist. Uh, or if it was just, who wants to collaborate and work on this, you know, and then sort of mm. divvy them out. Because some of it is breathtakingly good, 
Mm. And some of it is a bit lacklustre in places. Yeah. Interesting you say that. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's inconsistent artwork. And that's what I, the problem I found with it. Because you hit, uh, I think it's chapter three, and it just completely changes. It's like, just radically just, st- it's, stylistically different, yeah. Yeah, and it's... And it's I don't... And that, that art in chapter three, I don't mind, because it reminds me a little bit of... Um, lock and key-ish sort of stuff. It is, so yeah. Those, those sort of thick lines around the... Yeah, I can see know. that. Yeah, okay, I can see that. If anybody who's in the audience here, by the way, and I hope you don't mind me, me saying this, wants to have a look at some of the books while we're talking about it, we've got these copies just sitting here, and they're also available to buy following the show. See your uh, local purveyor of comic books, who, who is this guy right here as well. I, I mind terribly. <laughs> um, what are you doing? Putting plugs for my store I'm, while I'm, you're in my store. I'm going to pick the hell out <laughs> of you, What would man. that store be? Would that be Good Games Hurstville? Right? That would be Good Games Hurstville. In Hurstville. In, <laughs> in Hurstville. That's why I think so many people didn't turn up tonight because they were looking for good games Hurstville and Chatswood. That would be a problem. That would have been a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back to the art and the Back book. Back to the art. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> where were we? What are we talking about? Oh, the Graveyard Book. Right. You guys so shouldn't be left alone without Longo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Very rarely are we left alone without Longo. That's true. Um, so, yeah, that, that art style changes up radically, but he comes back later as well. But some of it works... Like, for example, when uh, uh, Bod is abducted by ghouls... The ghouls, yeah, um, really. You, you go into a completely different artwork there, and that works because he's kind of in a different dimension almost. Yeah, so this is so. all taken from Lovecraft, this chapter, essentially. Yeah. Um, the, whole, the whole ghouls and night gaunts and all that ripped straight out of, out of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. And uh, so, it, again, it had a very strong visual attached to it when I was reading it as mm. someone who knows that. Yeah. Uh, and so to then see it here in the book, it was, again, you know, they'd, they'd spun it. They've done a little bit different with it, and it really it was striking. It was mm. good. What one of the things I found about this because it because it is split up, and and uh, the first half of the book is a very different type of book to the the second half, and this is true of the novel as well. It is. The, uh, you have this very violent opening, and you have that in the novel, and seeing it literally writ large in red here. Uh, it's quite confronting in the it graphic is. novel Those version. first few pages are really quite scary. You actually, and this makes it very uh, not for kiddies, mm. because the first two pages are basically dead children and their parents, and a murder, and a mur- you know, and a murderer wiping his knife off, and, and his identity comes back later. That's established. The, the surviving baby goes to the graveyard, who later becomes is, is named nobody, as we heard in the opening uh, scroll, and then then the book becomes. A coming of age book, for all intents and purposes, very much in so. a graveyard. Before we return to that story, but that's not really in, in the graphic novel terms until book two. What's interesting about that, though, is so you've, your first your first volume, mm. as you say, is a coming of age story. But they were very clever to seed in just at the very end mm. of it, where he says, "I'm going to learn to get revenge." Basically, mm. that's right. Which is what makes you go. Hang on a minute. This isn't yeah. the book I've been reading all this time. And the second book picks up pretty fast with him wanting to go to school, wanting to get out. Want, he's growing well, up. In, in the novel, that, that, yeah. that's effectively how it works. Like he, when he, Once he decides to go to school, it's because he's going out. So they're pretty much uh, split it into his life in the graveyard, his life mm. outside mm. And, and beyond. And yeah, it, it, actually, that's the, real, that's the thing I should say. This is a, the most literal interpretation of uh, a work I have seen adapted by anything. The words... The original words are there. The original words are there and they've used almost all of them, uh, Mm -hmm. which 
is both to the book's uh, benefit and detriment, I find, because it's in comics yeah. we always say show, don't tell. Last time we saw this was uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was mm. the literal translation of yeah, Philip, Philip K. K. Dick's, Dick's book. One, yeah to comic book format and every word of the book appears in the comic book mm. so even though there's pictures all the descriptions are there mm. and it's a very dense read that goes on for well, th- this dozens is, of issues this is interesting so I think this is a dense read but mm. it's a very satisfying one you, I, find, I find that as I'm going through it I don't feel like oh that that took forever to read. I agree. But then I look up and it did. <laughs> um, mm. And you guys both tore through it quite quickly once you got into it. So yeah, well, what that's do you think th- about the density of the book? Well, that's the interesting part about it because when you first pick it up and you start reading it, it is a bit daunting. It's 192 pages for the first issue, for the first volume. And when we first started reading it, we were both like, we're not going to get through this for the show. Yeah. And we do a lot of reading for this show. And we're going, we're not going to get through this for the show. We talked to Jamie and we said maybe we will only be able to do volume one. This, this is a possibility that we may only do volume one. Okay, we settle on this. Finish volume one, mm. you're on a roll by that stage. And you go straight into volume two and you read through it. And I actually texted you because I read volume two in half the time it took me to read volume one. Because volume two is a roller coaster. It yeah. just goes. And I texted and said, if you get the chance, we do both volumes. I said, because by the time you reach the end of it, it is actually one complete story, beginning, middle, and an end, and it is so satisfying. And, and the funny thing is because I had a different experience here because I'd read the book just beforehand, mm. read it in a day, but the, the graphic novel then took me longer to read off the back of it. And I don't know whether that was because I was reading a, the same story immediately yeah, yeah, afterwards yeah. Or, or whether or not I didn't find the, the graphic novel nature of it was conducive mm, to, the, mm. to the story, actually... For me personally, I liked it better as a novel than I did as a graphic and novel. The interesting thing is, sorry, one second, Jenny. The interesting thing for me is the art didn't actually bother me. I mean, yes, there were very drastic changes in the artwork, but by the by halfway through the book, the art isn't bothering me anymore because the story is so strong that you're just following through on the story. You're not really paying attention to that art anymore <laughs> sorry. for quality. Absolutely. I've just heard, we're sitting here recording this and I've just heard three times in the background, I will shoot him! <laughs> and Roll 20 brilliant. on a 20-sided dice to make that happen. Okay, there you go. You'd think <laughs> most people would have shot him by now. <laughs> and I just really hope they're not talking about us. <laughs> um, look, I'm not surprised that, that you say that because the end of book one, is a, it's quite a high point when you discover that the man Jack, the murderer, is part of a society of men jack absolutely jack and how interesting is that woven into it mm. so for volume one that is basically ignored for most of it except you have these little asides where it'll just go two people meeting at a at a, at a, at a high class establishment where they say mm. have you got the boy yet not yet no I haven't got it well, you've got time you've got to do this Jack and then it's forgotten about again mm. and so it's like you have these little asides that come in like that mm. but then by volume two this means something you know, mm. and it's or, or just Silas and he's and he's and he's and Silas, yes. going off and, and having these little sort of scouting mm. missions and these really perilous journeys they go off on and you know people get lost and people don't make it back on these things. We we start to find out. Yeah. And this is this is actually something you were saying to me before. Sorry, Jamie. I'll, I'll, no, I'll it's fine. But there's something you were saying to me before the show, which was it, it's a book uh, that hints at a larger world that's out there that hints at this this bigger story and it doesn't always fill you in on the gaps and I kind of like that about mm-hmm. it. I kind of like the fact that it's sort of hinting at there's this giant world sitting behind this book Yes. and you never quite get the full story and you never... And that's actually one of the differences between the, the, the novel and the 
the graphic novel because it's visual. There are some things that are spelled out to you immediately. Yes. Whereas they're kind of hinted at in the novel and until someone kind of says it without saying it towards the end sort of thing. So I, I, I like that. I like that aspect of it that there's this, this kind of hidden... Hidden world beneath ooh, this ooh. as well. Sorry. Uh, That's right. Off twice. Your so turn. look, I'm, I'm <laughs> Actually, another thing, David. <laughs> One more thing. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Come on. That's okay. Would you, like, would you like two more things between you? No, One no, each. I'm no, no. Done. Okay. I'm done interrupting you. Um, I'm good. Look, I'm quite passionate about Neil Gaiman, and uh, and and when people talk about him being a rock star author, you know, I I would totally go to his concerts. In fact, I have before, mm. and um, he has written a story here which which is translated over beautifully. To come back to what you were saying before about the violence, um, one of one of the things that Neil Gaiman has said about his own work is that he feels that you have to include a bit of reality mm. in a kid's story. Uh, I agree. And that the kids will, will sort of gloss over it a little bit in order to not mm. be too scared in order to enjoy the story. And but that little element of reality just makes it that much more real for them and believable and an authentic story. I mean, you think about all the great classic children's literature, there's some pretty horrible violence in it going yeah. right back to the earliest fables. Spoilers, but E.T. died, you know, so yeah. it's like... <laughs> Sorry. All the great classic children's literature. E.T. <laughs> e. Return I'm not of the about Jedi, I'm Ewoks, Let's Write Children's work in general, whether it be yeah. film, TV, what have you, the biggest mistake that filmmakers or writers or anybody make when dealing with children's stuff is they condescend down to the children. It's true. Oh, and kids can Cons- sense condescending, that so much. That means talking down to you. Okay? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Richard. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, so, the, if you treat them like adults, yes. show them that the world is sometimes not an attractive place. Um, there is beauty, there is danger, what mm. have you. And that's what this book right. handles so beautifully. And what would Batman be without his dead parents? Dark! <laughs> yes! <laughs> but I, mean, I took it off the soundboard! No, and this is the real thing. <laughs> I Keep knew I had it somewhere. <laughs> the, and, and this is the great thing. I mean, the book is really about that kind of uh, that nesting thing, you know, like going out into the world for the first time. And, and, and yes, he's used the framework of the graveyard. It's an unusual upbringing for him. But really, it's about learning to let, you know, to, to, to grow up and, and be your own person and, and, Absolutely. and stand on your own two feet. Well, the, the, book, the, the original book is mm. a retelling of the Jungle Book. Uh, which is exactly that. It's it's a story about a kid lost in the jungle, raised by the animals, coming of age and returning to human society. Mm. And that that pretty much sums up the graveyard book, except ghosts instead of animals. Uh, yeah. And it it just it's a brilliant concept. You know, it just there's no other way to put it. I love the story. No, I love the story. And there's there's talk of it being adapted into a film. Uh, it's been in development hell for a while. I think Neil Jordan was attapped at one point. Um, Henry Selleck. Henry two, Selleck two was going to do it. Two sorry. Neils, one project. It's never going to work. Two Neils, one project. Henry <laughs> Selleck, so it would have been animated, or yeah. stop, stop motion animated. He's the guy who actually made Coraline. Yeah. Was attached to it yep. at one point. So he's worked with Neil Gaiman's work before. From what I understand, late last year, Neil Gaiman uh, uh, confirmed that Ron Howard was attached to the project. And that's so dangerous because Ron Howard is a good filmmaker, but he can walk the. But he's a redhead, he so you don't know. He can walk the schmaltz line very, very closely. Yes. So yeah, you know, so worries me a little bit. Yeah, so I don't know, and that's the thing. I mean, it translates reasonably well into a graphic novel. Although I do, as I said, I do prefer the original. No- I prefer the original novel, Jamie. <laughs> um, but the I do prefer the original. But I, I wonder some of the elements of this book are very literary. 
And it very yeah. much so. Yeah. Almost every Neil Gaiman story has been translated into a graphic novel or was originally a graphic novel and then yeah. became a novel. In fact, P. Craig Russell, who did this one, also Stardust. did... Stardust. Stardust, yeah. Mm. And uh, I think there's another one of his that he did as well, which I've forgotten. It's something... One of the other bigger ones as well that um, it could have been something like... Uh, uh, oh, he did Coraline as well and he did Sandman the Dream Hunters. There you go. So there you go. So he's, he's a, uh, he, he, he knows... Pedigree is the term. Pedigree, there you go. Uh, So, yeah, but I just don't know how it would work as a film. I I just don't think... I saw a few nods, uh, shakes of the head out there. I think it would work beautifully. Oh, I can see it as a film. I can see it as a film, but you've got to have somebody who's willing to take a chance with it. That's right. That's the big thing, is if you Mm. allowed Hollywood to use it... You could water it down. Use actual dead people for it. Damn straight. Yeah, James Cameron. He would would kill off a cemetery full of people just to get the authenticity. <laughs> he would learn how to actually bring ghosts to life. <laughs> Look, as long as it doesn't end up as part of the Ghostbusters franchise. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, this is the latest. This is, this is the news that I read out this week. There are two competing All male, all so. female, all Neil Gaiman. You know what they're doing? They're, they're building up the Ghostbusters cinematic universe now, aren't they? And across them all over. And part you know. of me is... And it'd be great thousands. if James Cameron does bring, learn to bring people back from the dead. You can get Harold Ramis back. <laughs> oh, man. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, you think that's too soon? You wait till oh, later. You just wait, sir. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what, you've got Bill Cosby jokes lined up? <laughs> oh, no. T- just to stand by. Uh, no, no. Look, but, um, it's I think never too late for a Bill Cosby joke. I'm 10,000% on board for the idea of a Ghostbusters cinematic universe. I just think they've delivered it so badly so far. Yeah. No, I, I'm. Look. You, if, if you know me, you know my love of the Busters of Ghosts. Because Buster makes me feel good. It does. It really does. Yeah. To, to my core. To my very core. <laughs> and and I, I, I don't like the idea of it. As much as the, the people who they've announced so far are very, very talented, I think they should be put to work on other very, very talented When they projects. talk about a, a, re- a reboot or a new sequel or anything to Ghostbusters at this point, it, the big question is just why. <laughs> Why? You know, it's because like busting makes people feel good. Yeah, so go and watch the original. No, 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 no. Just finishing about now on Kickstarter is the Ghostbusters board game. I see it up on your big board. It is. I've got pre-orders going, but it's cracked a million dollars on Kickstarter. You can pre-order um, that now at Good Games Hurstville. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why I'm not the one doing the plugs for my own. Because it store. would be tacky if you did it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want this show it's to be It's hundred percent classy right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we got to move on uh, because I'm going to lose my voice shortly. But so, um, kick-ass pick of the week, good, huh? The kick-ass pick of the week. I really enjoyed this book. I really, as I said, I really enjoyed because it forced me to read the novel. Which I looked at the receipt that was stuck in my novel I'd bought in 2009, and had promptly put on my bookshelf. I'd bought in 2009 with a with a a, a movie film calendar. All uh, that green arrow, which did get used. All that green uh, arrow you managed to fit in, and you didn't manage to fit in a Neil no, Gaiman novel. No, so I've had this this novel. That shows something, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, green arrow rocks. Okay, um, but yeah, look, I can highly recommend. I certainly highly recommend the novel, uh, the graphic novel. You you read it by itself. I did, uh, and I actually recommend it highly. I think if you yeah. read the novel, you're going to have a different experience with it. Yeah. But as just a standalone graphic novel, my only complaint is I don't think it should have been released in two volumes. I think Agreed. as a, as a graphic novel, it should have been one graphic novel. It would have been a really thick one, but it would have been good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because it is one whole story, and if you only read volume one, then you have missed half the story. And then if it was thicker, you could kill some with it, and they would have the Apparently experience they could themselves. Apparently over there right. to, to so. hurt somebody with it. You know? So that I is love beating people to death with my complete 
rising stars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, David, it's time we, we heard from a certain girl because I have a little bit of a feedback uh, here. Oh, okay, here, hold uh, if, I can, if I can get my, my phone to open. Uh, we heard uh, this week uh, from uh, a good friend of ours, uh, who uh, Victor Dean Hampstead, uh, on Twitter. And mm-hmm. had one of the, my favourite pieces of feedback ever for the show, which is, I just finished listening to 131. Thanks for the laughs. My daughter is in hospital at the moment, as did welcome distraction uh, from behind the panels. And like, sent him best wishes back. And he said, the little one giggles like crazy when she hears, Age! Of Ultron! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, now, because Dave Longo's not here tonight, I'm going to ask something from the room. And we, we're going to play this back. Now, now <laughs> I'm, I'm, going out, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm hoping you're, What I want you to do when I signal the word, and hopefully the people in the cheap seats at the back will do this as well, I want you to call out as loud as you can, Age of Ultron! If you can do that for me. Ready? This is for a I'm little girl skeptical. in hospital, okay? This, like is, this is ready. One, two, three. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so I, as again, uh, thank you so much for that, Victor, and best wishes to you and your little girl. Uh, hope everything's okay with you guys. So, uh, And thank you for listening again as well. The other big feedback, of course, we have to do is our newest section. <laughs> it's become a regular. <laughs> Come our regular section. It is, of course... It's John D's Geek-Related Challenge, or something. Now, this is the point where I get some of those people on the back tables might want to participate because maybe their ears will pick up when I say, you can win prizes now if you, you want to. You can win stuff. No. Anybody no, want to, no, so anybody no. who wants to win stuff can, can come forward and win stuff. Looks like you guys <laughs> in the front row are going to get everything because I think we've pretty much got enough to cover a lot of you. Um, so... This week's challenge comes to us from our dungeon master right here. Jamie, take it away. Hey, team. It's Jamie calling behind the panels. I was really inspired by last week's question about the X-Men and uh, had such a great time on the show that I thought I'd throw in another one and see what you guys could do with it on your own. So, it's the year 2022. Marvel is making its next Avengers movie, and the villain is Kang. He's going back in time. He's changing their origins. It gives us an excuse to have new new actors playing the characters. So, here's my question. What's your ideal Avengers team to take on Kang on the big screen? Have fun answering. Now, that because that was over Skype, we'll clarify that. Kang messes with time, for those who don't know. You can now build an Avengers team. Anybody. Me, I can build my own Avengers you team. You can. Anybody and can. you can build your team. And you can build any a team. Any roster of characters. You can't build a team. You, time you won frame, something last time. Timeline. <laughs> Kang has messed it around. So, but here's the trick. <laughs> We're making a movie, so you got to cast it as well. Okay, so <laughs> it's pick your characters and then pick your ideal so cast. We're going to give ours, but what we might ask you to do when you come up here is maybe just pick one or two people you would cast in an Avengers film. You don't have to do the whole roster. We're going to do a whole roster. So, I did seven. <laughs> I did seven as well. But I don't get to win anything, David. Now, Jamie, your team, just so to not put you on the spot here, I actually know your answer because here it is. My list of Avengers for your little list segment, whatever it's going to be called. Uh, this is the Screen Avengers for 2022. Starting with Iron Fist, whose sense of self alerts him to the changes that Kang has made to the timeline. Played by Stephen Amell. Captain America, hit by a blast of coronal energy early in the film, he serves as a mentor and advisor, but still kicks butt when his moment comes. Played by Bruce Willis. Tigra, initially working for Kang, Tigra switches sides heroically mid-film. 
played by Kat Dennings, Miss Marvel, who's skeptical about this supposed time travel nonsense and thinks the rest of the team is crazy, played by Ali Larter, Hulk, because someone has to fix things by punching through time, played by Robin Taylor as Bruce Banner and CGI as the Hulk, Amadeus Cho, because someone has to think up fourth dimensional technology and Tony Stark is way overused, played by Osric Chow from Big Hero 6, and finally, Triathlon, appearing from the future where he is one of the Avengers and carries Cap's shield, played by DeLay Hill from Psych. Have fun. Can I point out that I actually found a site that actually listed the lamest Marvel characters in history and Triathlon was number one. So there's a character called Triathlon. <laughs> so, okay, can I, can I you got a very specific set of hours? You have a chance to rebut and change if you like. I don't want to change, not at all. So, so if you were reading Kurt Busiek's run on the Avengers when it happened, it relaunched everything after everyone was gone from the universe for a while. And it was really, really, really good. Kurt Busiek, good writer, solid dude. Um, I like him. We go drinking. But <laughs> but uh, he introduced this character, Triathlon, who was three times any other man. <laughs> and, oh, I bet he was. <laughs> but well, Triathlon was terrible. He was a really lame Avenger. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. But... He was written to have this really great sarcastic voice. And he kept grounding the others when they would suggest radical, crazy stuff. He would say, no, man, let's not fly out the damn window. Let's just leave through the door. You know, he was the the grounding, sensible voice. And I thought, you know, he would be an entertaining dude to put on screen, especially with Captain America being 97-year-old Bruce Willis, unable to run around and do stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, I took a slightly different, uh, <laughs> slightly different tact with this uh, challenge. So um, I basically thought of it as, well, let's see if Kang is going to alter the timeline. We just finished the Spider Verse event that just mm. happened, which said we can actually have every Spider-Man of any version of any incarnation from any universe. And I went, okay. Challenge accepted. Are you doing <laughs> the all Spider Avengers? No, but I've actually decided that. Uh, my timeline is about 1970-something. And uh, we're going to say that uh, I'm going to have Captain America on my team, and he's going to be played by Reb Brown from the 1979 <laughs> Captain America telly movie. Nice. And I'm going to have Thor on my team, and he's going to be played by Eric Kramer from the 1988 <laughs> Return of the Incredible Hulk television movie. Cinematic and I'm going to have Daredevil as played by Rex Smith from He's the lawyer. 1989 trial of the Incredible Hulk. And I'm going to have Spider-Man played by Nicholas Sorry, Hammond. sorry, did you say Daredevil, 1970s? I could make you come. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to have Spider-Man played by Nicholas Hammond from the 1978 The Amazing Spider-Man TV series. I'm going to have Doctor Strange on my team, played by Peter Hooten from 1978's television miniseries, television movie Doctor Strange. And finally, every Avengers team needs a Hulk. So it's got to be Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby from 1978's Incredible Hulk. <laughs> but we also need somebody to lead this team. Oh, yeah. So it's got to be Nick Fury, played by David Hasselhoff from 1998's <laughs> Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. All I can I say to that... I love it. I've only got one thing to say to that, David. No! <laughs> I love it. It's what a team, you know. That <laughs> no one knows how to dress. <laughs> they all wear flares. <laughs> I also took a slightly different approach to this. <laughs> no, not yeah. you. I ca- I call my team the Great Westish Coast Lake Avengers. 
Uh, so sort of taking from that, that broad area in the United States, which is somewhere between the West Coast and the Great Lakes. <laughs> so, so kind of left to middle. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought we need Hawkeye on that, on that West-ish, Lake-ish coast adventure. But I've gone through uh, space and time because I really want 1970s Bill Murray to play Hawkeye <laughs> doing that sort of uh, uh, Matt Fractionary thing because I, I, I love scenes where he'd just walk in and go... And then depression set in. <laughs> I love that. I want Mockingbird, who we're currently seeing on TV at the moment. Mm. But how do I make my Mockingbird a little bit different and sort of mix things up a little bit? You get Lindsay Lohan. To Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Wonder Man that I put in there, who's he's known for wearing uh, a big W on his chest. And sunglasses. Ionic energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought we'd get uh, dazed and confused here, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> I need to walk and go, I see a lot of lawbreakers out here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the great thing about supervillains is, David? I keep getting older, they stay the same age. <laughs> all right. So we got him in there. Um, I got Iron Man, but in the, in the West Coast Avengers, Iron Man was actually Jim Rhodes. Uh, so I thought I'd really like to see a fat Tracy Morgan playing uh, Jim Rhodes. <laughs> 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 Ms. Lemon! <laughs> <laughs> so I just really want to see that. Um, I wanted to go for the most bizarre casting of the Hulk possible. So Fargo-era Steve Buscemi. As Banner. <laughs> As Bruce Banner. Can totally Who see I it. actually think was up for the part at one point. At one, one point, one he version. actually was. But <laughs> what I really think that. you should do at that point, if you're going to have Steve Buscemi, you want that acting, that those acting chops. So I reckon you put him in prosthetic makeup. No CG. Just put him in a giant muscle <laughs> suit. <laughs> Uh, I want to have Spider-Gwen in there as a sort of a more modern oh, person. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I thought I'd cast someone who's a little bit controversial in this role. So I put in uh, Jenny McCarthy <laughs> in, in this role <laughs> because I thought they could have some really great debates around vaccination. And I think that would actually cause the civil war in my Marvel Cinematic Universe. The people who are pro-vax and people who are anti-vax mm. and that sort of standoff. Mm. I, I like where that. you're coming yeah. from with this team. A slightly more adult Spider-Man. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm thinking about seeing this movie. This is good. <laughs> Until someone comes down with the measles and it's all on. You know, uh, There's a character called the Grasshopper, right? Mm-hmm. And he keeps dying off and they keep replacing him with other grasshoppers. So in that spirit, I thought initially he'd be played... Um, by uh, Brandon Lee, uh, <laughs> and then of course he, he's he's known for not making to making it to the end of a film. So then Paul Walker would take over <laughs> that role, um, and if they don't replace him with a CGI Paul Walker, Heath Ledger would take over from that, and then finally uh, they they just use the suit up and use John Candy. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I told you this was getting darker. But we're keeping with the spirit of the whole graveyard thing, I feel. Can he get, can uh, he get blasted <laughs> with some chronal energy as well? We can yeah. have Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I thought my, my, my great Westish Coast Lake Avengers needed... Uh, After someone you've retired the grasshopper. After I've retired the grasshopper, because he didn't work out. So we needed Squirrel Girl to come on Absolutely. board. And I thought, who else would play Squirrel Girl but Lena Dunham. <laughs> because I, I want her to say, like someone says, Squirrel Girl, we've got to go right now. We need you. Why aren't you fighting? Well... I'm not... It gives um, too much of an opportunity for my existential angst to creep in, I feel. I just think free time, I'm having fun for half an hour, 
I watch some television programs and suddenly I'm like, we're all going to die. Why don't we just use the time while we're on Earth as wisely as we can? Why would I stop now? I'm so young, but I'm not that young in the scheme of the universe. Death, death, death. She's, she's applying for the role of grasshopper, right? Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing was, that's not even from girls. That was an interview on Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lena Dunham. Now, <clears throat> that was our <laughs> choices for our adventure. I want to Pop see that. that movie right now. <laughs> I want to see, given that this is Kang and we can have alternate timelines, all three of those in one movie. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, we have them separately and they build up to a big crossover. Yeah, yeah that's Ooh. right. Yeah. So... So we want to give away some gifts, prizes, whatever you want to call them, for tax purposes to you guys. So, <laughs> just go along, David, go along. We have here a bizarro pop vinyl heroes thing. We also have uh, some hero clicks, uh, which is Avengers or X-Men. No, so Avengers versus X-Men, round they, they one. Can't, they can't have this one, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, your list was very good, David. Maybe you should take that one. We also have a game that we've actually been... Uh, <laughs> we've been addicted to this game lately. It's a great game that, that's available in the store. Uh, deck building game, uh, DC deck building. This one's Rivals, Batman versus Joker. Awesome little game. You can play that with as, as few as two that's, people. That's a two-player two game. This is a two-player game, this one. This is uh, lots and lots of fun. So, what we need to do, if you win one of these fabulous prizes, which I will never throw again. Right, so, uh, just pick up where were we? Someone just come up and talk into a microphone, and then we'll go from there. I got so, a mic <laughs> over here for you. <coughs> me, Bizarro, no am no want you give me away. Me, am no want win, bing, thing. What are we asking you to do? Just, just name. Did you? I know you've got a cast, so just come up. All right, and you'll come on up, up sir. <laughs> come around, come around, come around. Uh, state your name for the record, please. <laughs> that's Matt White. Uh, that's Matt White. Okay. So, Matt, tell us about your uh, Ultimate Team. Okay. Well, I don't know many much about the comic book, so mine's just basically a recast of the movie. Okay, that's fine. You said it was a new origin, so just recast the movie. Now for. Thor, well, younger Thor. I just went with the younger brother, Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> good, good choice, sir. Good choice. Right. Captain, just because I'm um, stereotyping him, we'll go with Chris Pine. Nice. From one <laughs> captain to another. Yep. Right. For the Hulk, I also had Steve Buscemi. But <laughs> There's a trend happening here. <laughs> but I, I reckon just because he'd look a really freaky Hulk... <laughs> but also um, went with Big Dave, eyes. <laughs> Dave Tennant <laughs> as um, a good banner. Dave Tennant. Dave Tennant. Because yeah. you had the Hulk was like, well, smash. <laughs> 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 uh, Hawkeye would go with Stephen Amell just because he's already got the <laughs> gear. He already knows how to use it. a bow and arrow. So yeah. yeah, just have to change from green to black. He'd have, he'd have like purple grease paint on his eyes. Change his clothes. It's what he's. It's what he's. Now uh, I must be moonlighting as on his days off. For right? three years, I was Green Arrow. Now I must be someone, <laughs> someone else. else. <laughs> Black Widow. I was sort of t- torn before Black Widow. Still reckon Scarlet could do it, but also reckon Katie Loltz um, from Sarah from <laughs> Arrow. Mm. Oh yeah. Yep, she's not got nothing else going on at the moment. You, so. you mean the Good Canary? Yeah. Um, possibly also Karen Gillan. Keeping the Doctor Who connection. Yeah. And Anne Hathaway, just because she looks good in tight black leather. She we, does. we know this. Yeah. She this does. Also, uh, the other, uh, we were looking it up today, some of the post-casting before Scarlet got cast was Emily Blunt as well, would, who would also be 
wonderful as um, Black Widow. Yes. Mm. Yes, Emily Blunt would have been good. Mm. Now, for Iron Man, I had three. For the two, basically, to get their characteristics right, either Neil Patrick Harris or Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but for the look of a younger Robert Downey, probably Josh Rayner. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like Neil Patrick Harris. I like the fact that it took three actors to fill Robert Downey Jr. It's an Iron Legion. <laughs> now, for Mara Hill, either Anne Hathaway, if she didn't go Black Widow, mm-hmm. or Katie Sackhoff. Oh, yeah. Mm. Good, good call. Mm. Yeah. Katie, Katie Sackhoff's been, been rumoured to, to be in the Marvel Cinematic uh, for ages. That would be Captain Marvel. That would be yeah, Captain there's Marvel. There's been a lot of talk about her about Captain mm. Marvel, yeah. Mm. Now, for Nick Fury, well, I reckon just... Stay with Sam Jackson. I agree. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone would be looking at thinking new cast and all of that, and then Sam walks in and turns to the camera and, and says, Quite frankly, he's a badass mofo. So yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent, sir. Thank you. you now, do you think you can actually lift something off of there without actually <laughs> knocking the sound out? I can't guarantee that. <laughs> you get your, because you bravely came up first, you get your choice of any of those three things there. I'll take Bizarro. You'll take a good choice. Off you go. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank Cheers. You. Round of applause, Matt. And that is how easy it is. Who wants to come up next? Come around. Oh, sir. here we go. Uh, state your name. So they don't have to be from the actual like uh, Avengers, right? Like no, no, no they can be anything you want. Really, anybody you want. There's right. no real rules here. <laughs> so I'm thinking a campish 1960s superhero team. So we got Adam West, Batman. Oh yeah, yeah. Christopher Reeves as Superman, mm-hmm. Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. yeah. and a young Samuel L. Jackson as Black Dynamite. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's like good. That. That's good. What prize would you like, sir? The other one's the other Hero one Clicks. The Hero Clicks. The Hero Clicks. Come, come round and grab it because I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Hands off. We have one prize left. Who's coming oh, up? Oh, come on. One brave soul. No, that would, that would be nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> Family and friends of panels. Are you can come up and give your choices, but I don't think you can win the prize. Okay, okay. Here we go. Right, He's doing go. it for the quality of the show. You uh, taught state him well. Your, state your name. <laughs> I am Nicholas. Hello. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. I think he's been on the show before. Ladies and gentlemen, have. Nicholas McVeigh. <laughs> Getting close. Oh, These aren't right. the studio mics. Okay, okay. These ain't your All daddy's right. mics. Oh, yeah, actually, they, they are. are your daddy's <laughs> mics. They actually are your mics. They are your mics. I set them up, remember? Right. Okay. It's one of those rare times you can say, who's your daddy, and not sound creepy. Right. Right. Who is your okay. daddy, actually, and what does he do? Creepy. All right, let him, let him talk. <laughs> All right, okay, so my first one is J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons. As a hero? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In and the then, Avengers. And then my second one is Spider, Spider Uncle Ben. Oh yeah, Spider Uncle Ben from Spider Verse, and he's going to be played by Michael Caine. Oh, <laughs> well, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> um, and you are only supposed to blow <laughs> the bloody doors off. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do it. <laughs> All right. Why do we fall, boss Bruce? All right, I've got two more. Quiet, right. you. <laughs> Quiet, you. Quiet. All right. Hank Pym, movie version. Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the Hulk, played by John Travolta. So what you're saying in your team <laughs> is they need... So what you're saying is that your entire team needs Geritol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> now, we still have one prize to give away. 
you don't have to do much. Just name some Avengers and some actors name in some any people. order, really. So I we go. Here he comes. All right, come around. Round of applause for our final contestant. Come on down to the stage, sir. Uh, state your name. Wait, state your name for the record. Hello, my name's Graham. Hello, Graham. Hey, uh, I only got two, so I'll make it quick. Um, first one is Miracle Man. I was say you've only got two. You might want to drag it out for a while. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, it's Drum Miracle roll. Man. Miracle Man. Yep. Yep. Played by Jim Carrey. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Going for a sort of. Birdman style of renaissance because mm-hmm. his movies have been really, really bad recently. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I've forgotten the other one. Close enough. I didn't write it down like everyone else. <laughs> Sorry. They've all been typing it out out there. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> round of applause. Thank you. Well, that is looking closer towards the end of the show, I think. It's almost time. It's almost time, time and I've already destroyed boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I've already almost destroyed this thing twice. Next week, and I never thought I'd hear myself say this out loud. Next week on the show, we're covering. I think. I think Jamie. I think you can say this for me. Tesla. The movie. <laughs> That's. Tesla. The movie. Uh, that was actually a graphic novel that came out in the 80s. It's not actually a movie. Dazzler is known for the power of a sparkly light hands. Pyrotechnics. <laughs> and, I believe and you'll and find that she pyrotechnics. converts something into light. Harmless sound into light. Sound into light. So yes. she's, she's also a rock star. So, so she does her own light show when she does her music. So the Dazzler the movie is a graphic novel set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. In the Marvel Universe, uh, that was back in the 80s when they are doing a whole string of graphic novels. It's like 80 And, and if them. you actually think this sounds familiar, it's pretty much the same character as Jubilee. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the same character as Dagger from Cloak and Dagger. Mm. It's pretty much... Marvel had an obsession with women who could generate light. Useless light. It wasn't the, even a weapon. It was just light shows. Because it was, it was back in the you know, 80s when they didn't have as much electricity. And, Sparkle. And, I'm sure Jubilee's... they kept going into dark places <laughs> and they needed light shows. In I'm sure Jubilee's little path, you know, like... Path. Good word path. for it. That, that, was the, that was the sound yeah. effect they used. I'm sure that, like, you know, shook up concrete at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> In the X-Men cartoon, I'm sure that happened. Maybe. Like, last week we had we were talking about Dr. Light, who you pretty much beat by turning the lines off. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm not you sure that works. I'm pretty sure you can general. generate light. I don't know if they could. Yeah. I think they manipulate. Anyway, so that's next week. So, Dazzler the movie. Dazzler. God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> we're back here at Good Games Hurstville, provided I haven't broken everything. Uh, on May the 2nd. Jamie, that's free comic book day. What can we look forward to here? Well, everyone else in Sydney, and, and this is kind of me being self-promoting, is that okay? That's the point of this, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of why we threw it to you. <laughs> so all the other stores in Sydney pretty much... They anyway, lock, they lock you in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go, shall I? Uh, <laughs> they lock you into uh, two books only. Um, we're giving you as many free comic books as you want with purchase. Did you say as many free comic books as you want with purchase? That's what I said. So I could come in and buy a Twinkie and then buy all of your free comics. <laughs> purchase of a graphic novel. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so you could buy tonight. But yes, you pick. can buy Twinkies here too. Yes, you can. 
<laughs> and all sorts of American candies. Come with us. Look over there. That's a big Come chunky. with me. <laughs> and you. Oh, my voice is coming. We're also, look, we're going to have uh, sales. Uh, we're going to have uh, some sort of live show. I'm not sure. I haven't locked that in yet. Um, <laughs> well, we'll I find out we if they're available. <laughs> I, I look, I, I really want to make the place welcoming as much as I can to the Australian comics community. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm talking to people and trying to get events happening here beyond just free comic book day. Uh, there's going to be certainly game-related events. So we've got we're going to have demos of the DC deck-building game, of HeroClix, of uh, anything superhero-related that we can, and it just should be a lot of fun. We're starting we're starting a little bit later than some of the other places as well. We're going to kick the whole thing off from about one or two in the afternoon, so that if people want to head to the city early on and then roll back here in the afternoon, that's all good. Excellent. So it should be fun. It may not be, but it should it be. It should fun. be fun. If all goes to plan, <laughs> it will be fun. It never does. Oh, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I only ever plan on fun. <laughs> Once again, we want to thank you, Jamie, for having us here tonight. You're very welcome. Uh, we, we will be back here. Uh, wow. Wow. You can, <laughs> he you may c- not want us back after this one. We'll <laughs> uh, officially you, be back here May the 2nd, but I know I'll yeah. see you before that. <laughs> you can find uh, Good Games Hurstful on Facebook. You can also find the Words and Bubbles discussion group on Facebook as well. They meet once a month, and as we said, the next one is on April the 15th uh, here, and the discussion book That's is... That's volume one of Indestructible Hulk. Indestructible Hulk. So come if you're interested in that. sounded good. Read that. Come back here. Chat with people, and you don't have to even come up on microphone to win things. You can just talk about stuff like, you know, people and whatever people do. I what don't do know what people, people do. I, I don't know. know. They read graphic novels. I never leave your studio. Yeah. You keep me in a box. <laughs> uh, so we should also stress that if you uh, want, for those who are listening to the podcast, not necessarily for people here, but people here as well, uh, you can see us live again at Oz Comic Con yeah, as well. We'll be at all the Oz Comic Cons in Sydney. Oh, so the next one is Melbourne at the end of uh, June, for those of you listening at home uh, or in Melbourne, uh, which would be probably the preference. Uh, yeah, uh, we're also playing in the Brisbane Oz Comic Con in September, as well as the two days of Sydney Oz Comic Con. We did that last year; it was great. We've already booked a couple of guests for the Melbourne Oz mm-hmm. Comic Con, so I'll be announcing those shortly. But a couple of big name Australian creators uh, will be there. Well, I'm not telling you now. We don't spoil that. I just said "ooh." I was excited. Oh, I thought you said "who I." Which you translated as something completely different. Hey, I'm the best <laughs> uh, But you can you can check all that out at our website behindthepanels.net. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Behind the Panels. You can find me on Twitter, the best one to follow at DVD Bits. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh! You can find the rest of us through his Twitter account yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, like, like I'm going to plug you on my Twitter account. <coughs> David, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at David McVeigh or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash David McVeigh or geekactually.com where we have some new podcasts coming out. We've got Podcast mm. Pillow for it. we got, which you're on? You're, you're on that show, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, you yeah. are. Amy, is that the, is that the name yeah. of the show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Podcast Pillow yeah, Excellent, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you can find us on behindthepanels.net as well. So we are all over the place. He's not here, but you can find Dave Longo at Dave, Dave Longo. Dave, Dave Good Cup. Uh, uh, D- Dave, Dave Longo's... Um... <laughs> Couldn't make it tonight. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that yet. And I'm just... I'm just going to need a minute. You, you can go and follow him on, on Twitter at Dave Longo. If, if he's still with us, I don't know. <laughs> or uh, damngoodcup.com. Which he finally paid the bill for. Which he's paid the bill for. And he's off tonight. 
working hard in the mountains to bring us entertainment. I'm okay. I'm okay, really. I'm okay. How long could you milk that for? (laughs) (laughs) Another minute 30. (laughs) So that's us. That's where you can find us. Uh, Check out all of our live shows. Of course, we are a weekly podcast for those... I think everybody who's here knows that. (laughs) Uh, We're a weekly podcast for those of you who might be listening to this for the first time. I think we've given you enough plugs, but you're also on Twitter, didn't you say? I'm uh, on Twitter at... at GG Hurstville. GG Hurstville, you can follow them. Recent I'm account. on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Wow, when are you Instagram? Whenever we get new stock in, uh, I, I it's throw some so pictures up. So the photos up. are on Facebook. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Do you do unboxings? Because that's a thing now, isn't it? Yeah, unboxings are kind of cool when we get the time, but honestly, no. there's just too much stuff coming in. Fair enough. Uh, I know. I know some. <laughs> Uh, there's some good uh, Lego in the family, you know. There is some good Lego. This guy saw you with a heli carrier. Oh, not my heli. I, I was I actually referring to our, our other. Oh, I think colleague. Nicholas wants a plug. Well, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> he, he was on mic tonight. NLM Productions. Go look it up. <laughs> there's a link on the show. YouTube.com forward slash. NLM, NLM Productions. Productions. There you go. That's the most half-hearted <laughs> plug. Okay, anybody else want anything plugged while we're here? <laughs> uh, what are you guys up to? Anybody got anything? Anybody want to plug anything? Anyone else who was on the mic Anyone and has a Twitter account? something while we're here? Come on. No. no? Yeah. Okay. You got, you, we've got a you know, listenership of one or so. Oh, you know, I, I have After this show, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have another plug. There's this really good comic company called DC. You should read their books. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. And I am Jamie Lawrence. And this has been Behind the Panels. Can I hear some noise? Behind the Panels is a production of geekactually.com. It gives um, too much of an opportunity for my existential angst to creep in, I feel. I-